This week's episode of the TCU's Three Wise Men podcast, where your three favorite geniuses discuss their not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football, as well as other interesting things around the country. I want to take a moment and appreciate our team. Last week, the three of us opened our episode and we sat for a moment of silence in honor of the five. And I can only assume that every member of the team watches our podcast because they were impacted by it. They went out to play with the vengeance of a man who wanted to make Craig James pay for his crimes. And not only did the team strive to make Craig James pay for his crimes, but the official TCU Athletics Twitter page posted a photo of the men painted up as hashtag CJK5H. We've gone mainstream. Everyone wants Craig James to pay for his crimes. With that, we will dive right into it to see how it was Craig James had to pay for his crimes. What, this game went great, but before we hit what went great, what went a little poorly in our game against SMU this week? I'll start us off. Um, <clears throat> I thought that the run defense could have been better this game. It The announcers were talking about it all game. This is really the first time that anybody's tried to run on us this year. Colorado, it looks like for all their games, Colorado's basically given up on their run game. Um, and then Nickel State, FCS. Uh, and and Houston, Houston. Yeah. yeah. They didn't run against us hardly at all. So this, it was good to see, one, how our defense would respond. I wish they would have responded a little bit better. I think that is a detriment um, to not having Johnny Hodges in the game. He, While he does lack a little bit in speed and athleticism, the dude diagnoses the line of scrimmage yeah. unlike anybody else. And he's well, fantastic in runs, run defense and run support. So we missed him a little fair, bit. To be fair to our run defense, Barrett said it himself last week on our episode – SMU, this is their Super Bowl. They always come with their track shoes when they come to play us. And I don't remember a year that we didn't have them run all over us a little bit in the first half. I mean, they always come to really shove it down our throats if they can. Yeah. Um, but I, I did think it was telling that our – our run defense had given up 60 yards per game through the first three games of the season. And SMU had basically passed that in the first quarter. I know it is an adjustment, not having Hodges, who I think is going to be out for a couple more weeks. So we will get more, more Shadrach Banks who played phenomenally. But Shad Shadrach's a stud. Shadrach could blow every single game for the rest of his career. And I'd like him still for the 2021 Baylor game. But even without that, he's been such a stud. Yeah, one, one thing I'll say about Shad versus Hodges, and, and Jacob kind of touched on this, Hodges is phenomenal in run defense. He's really slow, though, and so he's not as good in pass defense. Shad is the polar opposite of that. He runs 22 miles an hour as a linebacker. He was previously doing kickoff return for our team before Johnny Hodges got hurt. The dude is fast and great in coverage because of that. Now, he's not necessarily as good in run defense, um, but with how our run D has been over the past few games, I actually don't necessarily mind that so much because um, I think Shad coming in gives the defense a little bit more balance, where previously we've been dominant against the run and not so great against the pass. Um, I think him coming in, if – if the rest of the team can keep the level of run defense that they've been doing and we lose Hodges for Shad for a few weeks, I think we'll be just fine. 
kind of moving on to, I would say, the second thing that didn't necessarily go well. We touched on this last week, um, hitting it again this week. I think the interior of the, of the offensive line in particular has not been good, specifically in pass coverage and pass protection. Um, Chandler has been running around a lot recently, um, just being chased around by linebackers or defensive tackles or whoever it might be. seems like he's been under pressure a lot. Now, he played brilliantly this game, so props to him. We'll, we'll touch on that a bit later. But um, specifically, like John Lands, um, obviously Patrick went down with an injury for a bit. I thought Colton Deary looked pretty good in the time that we did see him throughout this game, but I'd, I'd like to see them shore up that, that pass protection on the inside. Yeah. Unfortunately, interior OL is getting to be a retur- recurring topic on this podcast and it never seems to be on the, what went well section. Yeah. I will, I will say they've been really good in run blocking and that's kind of what they're built for. It's a bunch of yeah. huge dudes who paved the way for, uh, for Amani, and we see that with Amani's numbers, but they need to be better in pass protection. They need to keep Chandler on his feet. Yeah. I do think, though, that this will be one of the better defensive lines that they will see this year. So it is encouraging to see that even when they do let people through, Morris is slippery as all get out and can escape. I think what they had two sacks, which isn't awful. But we would like to see that improve. We had four or five drops this game, which is, again, becoming a reoccurring theme on this podcast. Yeah. But those just can't happen. There were three of them that I remember seeing that were bad. They were bad, bad. And then JPR had a, had a pass in the corner near the end zone. He got two hands on it, but it was it would have been a tough, tough catch. Like it would have been impressive. JPR early in the game, I was like for the first few drives, I was ready to give him the golden player, but then he had that drop and he quieted down a bit. JPR had a good start, but just didn't really finish through on it. Yeah, yeah, he had a really bad drop earlier yeah. in the game. but And then on top of it, our defense dropped as many passes as our offense because on four separate occasions, a would-have-been interception hit him in the numbers, and they just let it go. One was Josh Newton's that was really bad, and luckily he made up for it. And then, of course, the other one, it was the one that was right before Bud Clark's interception, so it turned out not to really matter because we got it anyway. But man, I turned to the person I was with at the game and literally was like, you know, if I if I played football, I would try and catch the ball when it hits me. But you know, I, I <laughs> it could be harder than I. I was yeah. very frustrated by. And to be fair, they're blocking passes, and that's good, and it's much better than our defense was three weeks ago. But I was very frustrated with the drops on both sides of the ball. Yeah, agreed. I. It's it was a little out of character for JPR. You hear my dog here. Um, a little out of character for JPR. Uh, this game with the drops. He's I would say he's arguably our most sure-handed receiver that we have this year. Um, he's he's going to be the guy that's going to get you a bunch of first downs every single game, um, and we see that consistently with Chandler using him and Wiley. Um, as his kind of outlets. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily expect him to continue this trend. But yeah, definitely definitely need to clean that up. Uh, last thing I'll say on kind of what didn't go well, special teams, again, seems to be an issue for us. Um, I don't know what Tom at all was thinking with the fake kick. That was ugly. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, I'm very pro fake kick in general, but I'm pro not ugly fake kicks. Yeah, that was that was not a good one by any means. Yeah. Um, 
I'll, and I'll say I don't necessarily think our return game or coverage in the return game hasn't has been up to snuff for the past few weeks. Well, especially when you consider Major Everhart's talent. And even Jojo Earl. Jojo Earl, I mean, he had his flaws, but the two of them are fast. With the guys we've got returning, our return game should be better than it is. Yeah. I don't think that Jojo's really had a t- chance to return, frankly. So people can be mad about him not doing much in the punt you return game. Because I think special teams just hasn't given him that window. Yeah, and it's it's partially or blocking. And the other thing is is the their punters aren't punting it to him. SMU shanked well, just about every punt they had. So I was sitting with an SMU kicker, a former SMU kicker to my right at the game, and he literally, as soon as he sat down, was like I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys before this game even starts. Our punter sucks. <laughs> so he really was shanking everything. And apparently SMU has gotten used to him shanking everything. <laughs> That's bad. You, you'd think they'd go out and get another one. That dude, you think they'd put the kicker sitting next to me in to punch. <laughs> um, well, that all being said, we've hammered what went wrong. A lot went right, though. I... I have been saying all week that this team's floor is three and nine and their ceiling is winning the big 12. And I've been terrified because this game was going to close that window one way or another. And I think it really did. It made me really optimistic. I was talking to a buddy this morning. I was saying at the end of the day, if Chandler gets back, doesn't throw one of the two red zone interceptions in week one, we're sitting here, and the national conversation is, can TCU repeat 2022? I mean, we're somebody else pointed out to me this morning, if we get just one of those red zone interceptions back, we are ranked higher than Alabama today. And that may be a little over-exaggerating, but I think there's a point to it. And I think this game showed us a lot of why that is. A lot went well, and the first thing that went well was Chan Man. The SMU guys I was with sat down and said – He's a fraud. Chandler's a fraud. We had to deal with his dad. Chandler's just as bad as he is. And I looked at him and I said, can we really call him a fraud if we even think he sucks? But I think Chandler heard me say that and set out to prove me wrong. Chandler, this game, showed flashes of Baylor Chandler. He really did. That's He's starting to look like that. And if he plays well, like that, sky's the limit. And when you talked about him being slippery, I really thought about Baylor Chandler too. That one moment they had him like by the neck and he somehow slipped out of it. He showed that same thing, that same slippery. He showed the reality is we as TCU fans have been saying from the beginning that he's more talented than Max. And there's a reason Max was on the bench last year. Max had a heart and soul that no one in the world can replicate, but he gets a little better every game. And yesterday, I mean, he was he was great. Yeah, Chandler looked really, really good yesterday. He eluded pressure well. Uh, he put the ball. There were there were a couple of times if you watch the game where the commentators talked about Chandler throwing his receiver open, and honestly, he looked really good. Like he was very accurate. He was putting the ball where only his receiver could get to it. He eluded pressure and had a few big runs during the game. Uh, props to him. I know I'll be the first to admit that I've been kind of a bit of a Chandler hater recently, but uh, he looked good. And the, I, I will say the scheme for this game, again, you all know how I feel about Kendall Bryles, but Kendall did a great job calling this game. Uh, and so – I. And it showed with with Chandler's numbers and his ability. Going back to what you said about him throwing people open, I thought there were two plays that showed his anticipation for that perfectly. And it was two fourth downs. One is, I think actually both of them were about fourth and two. And he was getting chased like crazy on the first one, just lofted the ball up. And Everhart just ran right under it. I don't know how he knew Everhart was going to be there, 
it was beautiful. And then the second one was Chase Curtis's touchdown, where I didn't see Chase Curtis there. I was even when I rewatched it this morning, I didn't see Chase Curtis there, and Chandler did. He just lofted it up beautifully. Curtis was able to run under it. Any less air and that ball is probably incomplete or picked off. Any more and it goes over his head. Beautiful passes. Can't ask for anything more. Yeah. I would say the tight end room in general, like you you mentioned Chase Curtis. I thought Blake Knoll played really well. Obviously, Wiley had two touchdowns. Shout out to no pyramids. (laughs) The tight end room. Played we have a pyramid denying podcast, and Jared Wiley proved why this week. Yeah, Wiley had his best game maybe ever, to at least statistically. Yeah, and if if it weren't for Chandler getting a bit of end zone eyes and throwing a ball a little early, he would have had a third too. And um, luckily, that didn't turn oh, into yeah. a oh, yeah. zone interception. But but yeah, uh, tight ends played great this game. They blocked well. They were obviously important in the receiving game. I think this is what TCU fans have wanted to see out of their tight ends for years. And because under Gary was kind of hesitant to use tight ends for a while. We we really not used tight ends a lot ever. And no, now not only are we using them, but I mean Jared Wiley is one of my favorite players on our team, and it's only a little because of the pyramid comments. <laughs> And if, if you go back and watch uh, Kendall Bryles, like games from whenever he was at Arkansas, tight ends were really, really important in his offense. And so I would expect this trend to continue where you'll see a little bit more of Wiley and Curtis. On the flip side, looking at the secondary, I think we got to give props to them. Secondary played relatively lights out. I think there were two big plays for SMU, which, as we said last week, on the podcast, if you can limit a team to two big plays for the entire game, then yeah. in the Big 12, you have a darn good chance of winning. Big plays happen. That's life. Life goes on, whatever. Us holding them the way we did and limiting them to the little big plays we did was freaking awesome. Yeah, I thought Channing Canada looked phenomenal. I know he's a favorite of Barrett's. Avery Helm, he played well before he went out of the game. Newton had that pick bud clark might have the best ball skills of a safety that tcu's ever had he just plucks things out of the air it looks like a wide receiver i i have nothing to say mark perry was fantastic this game uh he he made several touchdown saving tackles in the run game i've given i've given him a hard time several times on this podcast earlier in the season he has stepped it up especially since the colorado game I really stand by that the whole team listens to our podcast because they are doing a great job of taking our input. Yeah, I mean, listen, this was, I would say, arguably the most complete game TCU has played this season. Um, And it's not particularly close. Um, Secondary played well. Our run defense was not great in the first half, but really stepped up in the second half. Yeah. Offense was obviously moving the ball well. Amani's doing Amani things. <laughs> we we looked good this game. A yeah. wise man once said, "Amani Bailey equals success." Well, I, I think really our run game struggled in the first half. But what I what I liked about this game is even though the run game didn't go terribly well in the first half, we didn't abandon it, and the yeah. team especially offensively is starting to look like last year's team where the first half our offense is it's fine we stick with the game plan we score enough points to stay in the game and then the second half is where you see where Kaz comes in and his importance comes in and we just wear teams down and i thought this game was wonderful in that aspect because most, if not, I would say probably four-fifths of our rushing yards came in the second half. And that is just wonderful to see our offensive line imposing their will like that. 
So we've hit on Major Everhart a little and Shadrach a little. Uh, do we want to talk a little bit about, about second half defense and play column for a little bit before we move on and keep, finish off with what went well here? Sure. I'll let Barrett Perfect. talk about all that stuff. Yeah. Um, like we said, second half defense, the run defense really kicked in. Um, obviously, we had both of our picks in the second half. So I think the second half of this game was the most complete half we've had from a defensive standpoint. Um, I thought Gillespie made some good adjustments. Still would like us to get better pressure on the quarterback, but SMU's offensive line is one of, if not the best in the country right now, I would argue. And it showed in this game. We got basically no pressure whatsoever. Now, we still ended up with, I think, three sacks, which is impressive to add to that total. I think we're like fifth in the nation right now in sacks. Um, but, yeah, the defense looked good. From a from a play-calling standpoint, specifically on the offensive side, uh, again, I mentioned this earlier, Like Kendall Bryles called a phenomenal, phenomenal game. I thought he used the weapons that he had well. He used motion well. He was creative. There were a couple plays where we'd swing like Jalen Robinson or Everhart in into motion. And one where he Chandler just missed, I think it was Everhart battle home. Like right up the scene, which would have been a touchdown. But yeah, it was I, Trent Battle. Yeah, Trent Battle. Yeah. There were a lot of really, really fun play calls during this game. And I thought Bryles did a good job of calling the plays to fit and support Chandler. And we saw Chandler have his best game this game. Yeah, I love those wide receiver sweeps. Not on third and two, um, but on a first and ten, I think those are great plays because we do have speed. It might not show up all the time. Yeah. Everhart and uh, Jalen Robinson especially can fly. So I think getting the ball in their hands when they're already moving. So you give them a running start against the defense. I love those plays. It's a guaranteed four yards. That all being said, I, we, we had a lot go well this week. We can't give the golden player award to Amani Bailey every single episode. So we've taken a moment to step back and recognize the star of Bethlehem. Bethlehem. I'm, I'm sorry, I keep trying to say Bethlehem. I mean the star that is Imani Bailey. He's his own prize in and of himself. That being said, we do have a separate golden player. Jacob, if you'd like to tell us who that is. Yeah, I talked about him a little bit earlier this episode. I got to give it to Mark Perry. Mark Perry has been a stud in the run support. He's been he's just been absolutely phenomenal. A lot of our other safeties are more coverage guys. Perry really is that run support guy who comes up and helps out the linebackers. And I want to I do want to give an honorable mention to Namdi Obiazor. He had 11 tackles. He's really coming into his own at linebacker, taking over for D winners. But I couldn't pass up mark perry's game he had two or three touchdown saving tackles with that all being said we're going to move on to the franken sensational player i'm convinced that the team here at the three wise men hates me because they they picked for me to give the franken sensational award to the man i hate most trials <laughs> as much as i hate him and as much as i'll continue to hate him he did a dang good job, and he called some really good plays. We've got to give Franken sensational to Kendall Bryles. Yeah, secondary to to Chandler Morris. Obviously, that's that's a product of Kendall Bryles. I would have much rather given it to Chandler Morris, who I don't hate, but I do think Kendall Bryles deserved it. And with that, Barrett, you want to let us know who we want to see Murr out of? Yeah. So I'm gonna take a long route to get there. So hang with me, everyone. Um, last week we had Savion. We talked about him needing to have another a big breakout game. Obviously, that didn't happen. He did basically nothing this game. Um, if you just looked at the stats 
for Savion, you would expect him to be our player we want more out of. However, going back and watching the game, a lot of that was a product of play calling and him just not being on the field at the right time. Um, I think Chandler Morris didn't necessarily look his way whenever he was on the field or we ran the ball a lot whenever he was. So I'm actually not going to be giving this to Savion. I do still want him to have a breakout. The person that I, that I want Murr out of is Tom Erdahl. Special teams. We we need help. <laughs> um, the, the fake kick, we talked about it. Not a good plan. We're, we're not getting great coverage on kickoff and punt return. We're not getting great return from Everhart or from JoJo Earl. I think part of that is blocking. I think part of that is teams not wanting to punt to our return men. But all that goes to say, I think we need more out of our special teams as a whole. Yeah, completely agree. So now that we've given out our awards, I'm going to move on to West Virginia because there's no reason to keep looking back. Only thing better than being three and one is the chance to go four and one. So, uh, players to watch for West Virginia. They have a little bit of a quarterback situation there. Garrett Green is the guy who started the first three games of the season, and he got hurt at the beginning of their third game, and a guy named Nico Markiel took over, and he started against Tech. He has 213 yards passing at a 57% completion rate with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Overall, I think our corners are going to eat against these guys. Uh, Running back, you guys are going to be more familiar with. uh, C.J. Donaldson Jr., he's an absolute stud. He has almost 300 yards rushing and three touchdowns in their first four games and then his backup Jalen Anderson has 125 yards and a touchdown the thing about these guys though is neither of them are really pass catching backs which again doesn't really matter because their quarterbacks aren't very good at throwing wide receiver wise they have Hudson Clement who has close to 200 yards and three touchdowns Cole Taylor who is their tight end and second leading receiver at 150 yards and two touchdowns and then a guy named Devin Carter, who has 110 yards with no touchdowns. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, their defensive line has two two good players. A guy named Tamiwa. I'm gonna mess this up, but Tamiwa Durojaye, and he has seven tackles and two and a half sacks. And then a guy named Sean Martin who has 13 tackles. Those two are the guys we need to focus on stopping, especially Tamiwa. Linebackers, they're they're, they're two leading tacklers. Uh, We, I'm going to mess this up again. Um, I'm guessing it's Lee Pogba. But he has 29 tackles. He's our leading tackler this season. And Trey Lathan, who has 25 tackles and a forced fumble. Their corners, I would say, are above average. I'd say their entire secondary is above average. They have a good back end. Uh, Beanie Bishop Jr., which is an awesome name, uh, is their is their corner one or CB one. Is five passes defended, two interceptions, and twenty one tackles. And Malachi Ruffin has a pass defended and an interception with nine tackles. Uh, Moving to their safeties, the guy who people are going to know is Aubrey Burks. He's a potential first-round draft pick. He has 13 tackles, half a sack, two passes defended, an interception. He's thought by the non-geniuses of the world to be one of the top safeties in the country and the top safety in the Big 12. The geniuses of the world know that that's Bud Clark. But... Aubrey Burks is up there as well. All three geniuses of the world are here, so we can concur that that is the correct answer. (laughs) Anthony Wilson has two passes defended and 21 tackles, and then Hershey McLaurin 
has 11 tackles and half a sack. And that's really their team. Barrett will explain to you how all of those players fit into their schemes. But really, if we can stop the run and we can stop C.J. Donaldson, we should be able to do whatever we want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of good segue. One, one thing I'll note on kind of that. We strong run defense. Yeah. We do, in fact, ahead, have a strong. Uh, I have nothing worth listening. Go ahead. <laughs> um, no, yeah, like Robo Connor said, we do have a strong run defense. Um, West Virginia's offense. So to to kind of go through some names here, there Neil Brown is their head coach. He's been there for five years. Um, he's he's got his system in place now at this point. Chad Scott is their offensive coordinator. Coordinator. He was previously their running backs coach. So he's been with the program for a while as well. And then Jordan Leslie is their defensive coordinator, who was previously their defensive line coach. So they've done a good job of promoting within, keeping with scheme. Um, From an offensive standpoint, uh, Jacob and Connor kind of touched on this. They run the ball a lot. Uh, the, The playbook that they have now, Neil Brown, the head coach, will be calling plays. So it will not be Chad Scott. But the playbook that they have is highly, highly reliant on a mobile quarterback um, and running back depth, which they have. It, it's a pretty creative playbook from what I've seen. So they run a lot of trick plays. They run a lot of motion. Um, one kind of interesting aspect of it is that um, they they run a lot of 21 personnel, which basically means that they'll have two running backs in the backfield along with their quarterback. Um you see us run that every now and then with Trey Sanders and, and Amani. Um, but their, their entire offensive scheme is predicated on running the football. And you see that in their quarterbacks passing numbers, which are pretty abysmal for four games into the season. <laughs> um, on the defensive side, I would say that they have a really good mix of freshmen and like three, four-year veterans on their team, kind of across the board. Um, Jordan Leslie runs a 3-3-5. Again, I feel like we hear that pretty consistently in Big 12 play. Um, he was a Broyles nominee in 2020 and 2021, so he's he's a pretty good coach. Um, they've got a really good defensive line, I would say. Not great, but good. Um they're they're decent against the run and they have a phenomenal safety. I expect uh the frogs to kind of throw away from Burks in this game, avoid him. I I, I would expect us to r- run a lot of screen short passes, run the ball a lot. Um they have a good D-line, but they're not necessarily like there's only 3 of them and they run a 3-3-5 with a lot of defensive back so running the ball should we should see a lot of Monty Bailey this week again one thing I will say their their defense as a whole does not have a lot of speed uh, which I always thought was interesting you saw it last year they kind of got burned a lot and so I would expect Bryles to throw a lot of motion offense against this team get Jalen Robinson get Major Everhart out on the outside and let them run wild um from from a defensive side for TCU, we got to be able to shoot gaps, and this this is going to be a game where not having Johnny Hodges is is going to hurt a little bit. Um, like Jacob said, he's really good at diagnosing the the line of scrimmage and run defense. We are going to miss that in this game because they're going to try to run the ball down our throats. Really, the way you guys have described it, and you both all generally good about steel manning our opponent, no matter who we're looking at. Like Jacob said, though, if we can stop the run and stop who, who who was the other person you said we had to stop? What's his name? Other oh, safety. Burks. But if we can stop those two things, we should have our way with them. But man, West Virginia is always a game that we just kind of blow it on. Like, I mean, we should win. It shouldn't be an issue. But we're picked to win by nine. And I feel like we're walking out with like a field goal victory. I would agree with you. If we were playing 
in Morgantown. Yeah, I guess that's fair. They're having to come here. That's a good point. Thank God. If we were playing away, I would be absolutely terrified of this game. Even then, Western Virginia, they're they're a good team. They beat Tech, who was supposed to be the second or third best team in the conference this year. I don't know what's happened with them. But West Virginia, As they're a good. Tech student, I'm gonna call BS. Yeah, I this game we we need Dominic Williams to have a monster game. We we need him to plug up the middle of the line of scrimmage, and I I want to see our corners play really aggressively on the outside. These are not great throwing quarterbacks; they're great mobile quarterbacks. Depending on who shows up to start for West Virginia this week, if Garrett Green is healthy. And neither of them have a great arm or great accuracy. So I want to see our corners force some mistakes. Yeah. And that's why Dom is so important. If we can hold them in the pocket, if we let them sit back there all day, they're going to run. And no matter how fast Shad is, if you give a quarterback 10 yards of space to start running, it's hard to bring them down. Especially because actually both of their quarterbacks are mobile guys. So we really need the defensive line to play well and Shad's gonna have to play the have to play the quarterback spy position well. Which th- that right, is an well, area where he will be better than Hodges. Absolutely. With this all prepared, I see a guest genius waiting in our lobby ready to join our call. Those who are unfamiliar with this particular guest, this is your home for throwback-style frog in Fort Worth memes, merch, and more. And most famously, husband to Mrs. Throwback Frog, this is Throwback Frog. Wow, guys. Thanks for that. Thanks for that intro, man. Yeah, full-on reading the bio. That's perfect. Even uh, Mrs. Throwback Frog. That was your bio? That was just my guess. Oh man, you're you're pretty good at that riffing and riffing. Yeah, happy to be on here, guys. This is sweet. Yeah, we're happy to have All you. All right, Robert, what were your thoughts about the game this week? Give us give us a couple of your couple of your thoughts you had this last week. Or this Dude, yesterday. this game, this game was. Uh, I swear, it was definitely hotter than the the Colorado game for sure, which is crazy because I thought the Colorado game was going to be like super heated. I'm talking temperature, not like uh, not vibes. But this one was it was hot. I got crazy sunburnt. But it was it was good, man. The ponies, ponies, Amy G. Carter got turned into a glue factory. It was perfect, man. I mean, what else could you ask for? Great answer. Yeah, I, I prepped that all one right. all week. While we get throwback, <laughs> while, while we get throwback frog, do we want to look around the big twelve week one of conference play for a second before we get into next week's picks? Yeah. I want to hear it. Um, I will say a couple things. Tech, we all had Tech winning against West Virginia. I don't think we necessarily found out that West Virginia was better than we thought. I think we more likely found out that Tech was worse than we thought. But you see that picture of the Tech quarterback, like, throwing the ball and his bones, like, sticking out of his leg? Oh, gosh. Dude, it's crazy. Oh, dang. No, I didn't. I don't know if I want to see that picture. Yeah, I was a Tech student, and I didn't watch the game. No, yeah, I was just to say, I think we found Tech was worse than we thought and not West Virginia was better. I didn't have much more to say that. Um, what else? I don't know. We all also picked UCF at K-State. We were all wrong. What were you guys' thoughts on that game there, UCF at K-State? I didn't get to watch it, but um, I did see that Will Howard played and played really well. So I think – with Kansas State, as Will Howard goes, the Wildcats will go. If he is available for the games and, and 100%, then they'll win. I think that's why they didn't win against Mizzou, is because he got hurt and couldn't run the ball and use his legs. So I'm not surprised Kansas State won. I would have liked for UCF to win. I picked them. But – I think Kansas State's going to be good. It'll be a tough game this year. Yeah, I mean, both offenses looked really good. So I, I think this is like you said. Yeah, Will Will Howard was the difference here. 
Yeah, throwback. Uh, you got anything on that game? game? I mean, I watched. I watched most of it. I mean, nothing. Nothing crazier than what you guys said. But something I noticed was, uh, I mean, that final score was huge. You know, the the difference. But I actually think it was a lot closer than it was that that the shorts uh, the scores showed. You know, I think that that UCF was in there for a long time, and it really wasn't until like that end of the fourth quarter that it really fell apart for him and everything. So I, I agree with the the Kansas State quarterback uh, being important for them winning, but I also don't think that UCF is mid. I, I don't even think that they're they're mid. I think that they're pretty good. Uh, now I think that they'll. That that might be a seven or eight win team in the league, seven, eight, nine, something like that. Yeah, I think their schedule sets up pretty yeah, favorably. We, we for generally them. agree here on this podcast that UCF is pretty good. Barrett has been quick to wrongly call them the best team in Florida, but they're certainly the second best team in Florida. They they're going to be good this year. The last big around the Big Twelve thing I want to comment on: all three of us picked Baylor to lose, and once again, Baylor lost. Again, I don't know how good it made Texas. I think Baylor just really sucks. With that, Agreed. I've got some games for us to pick for this week. We have got round one, or first one, West Virginia at TCU. Jacob. I'm going to go with the Frogs, obviously. Eric. Yeah, I think the Frogs won this one, and I actually don't think this is going to be a close game. I think we boat race them. I sure hope you're right. Throwback. So this one was crazy last year. I had money on that spread, and this was that crazy one that all the Barstool guys were losing their minds about, where it was just a, an absolutely nonsensical throw to cover right in the last second of the game or something like that. So I think that we cover again. Uh, I think that West Virginia is definitely better than they were last year, but I also think that uh, our offense is, unfortunately for the OC hire, but our offense is uh, pretty juiced. I think Connor feels uh, the uh, same way. <laughs> I am in a very similar stance to throwback. That being said, I think we win. I don't think we cover. I want to blame Kendall Bryles, but I can't. I, I actually don't think I can blame anyone. I think it's just because this game's going to be weird and weird things happen. I think that this is going to be crazy because last year it was like high-flying stuff, and now West Virginia is this big like run game team. And then all of a sudden, TCU has like a really good run defense. Uh, I saw some stat that was like like two rush yards allowed or something like that. That was before the the SMU game. But I think this is gonna be some crazy game where where TCU's strength on their defense, ironically, somehow is the run defense, and then that's the strength of the West Virginia team. So that should be a really fun matchup. Sorry, go on. All right, we're back to Robo Connor, but. Uh, I'm going to go with BYU. I'm guessing it's, I'm guess I think it's Cincy BYU. I'm going to go with BYU. They looked good against Kansas. They were much better than I expected against Kansas. Um, so I'll, I'll ride with the Mormons. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Keaton Slovis is that good of a quarterback. Having watched him in person against Arkansas, I, I think Cincy has a very good defense. I just think their offense is not that great. So I think Cincy's defense carries them in this game, and I, I'm I'm going to give it to Cincinnati and have them pull off the win. Yeah, I'll do it while he's buffering. Yeah, to, to quote a great Mormon piece of propaganda, I believe, and uh, yeah, I think that the, the Mormons are pulling this one out. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Can you just hear me? Am I Robocon again? Kind of. Hello? Good. Am I again? A little bit. All right, well, I, I have a guest watching me record, and it's a Mormon, so if I pick Cincy, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going with BYU. Next up, we got Houston at Tech. Jacob. Uh, I'll take Tech here. Uh, I, I think it might be close, but I'll take Tech. The spread is Texas Tech by 10. Oh, I don't think they'll cover. Yeah, I I think I think this game is probably a close one, especially with Tech's quarterback apparently going down. Didn't know that, but um, <laughs> I don't think Houston is necessarily that great, though. Uh, I still think Tech pulls this one out, but I think it's a close one. And yeah. throwback. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to go with Tech on this one. I think that Houston might be stinky. But how hilarious would it be if Houston were to win this? That might actually add some juice into this Houston-Tech rivalry that's trying to start. That would be absolutely hilarious because of how Um, bad Houston is. (laughs) I I go to Tech, and I've been more disappointed by them by the weekend. I'm still going to be a homer, and Houston's not that good. It's got to be Tech on this one. Texas is hosting their longtime rival, Kansas. Who's walking away with this? Jacob. I'm going to pick with my head and not my heart. And I'm going to say Texas. But I will be cheering for myself to be wrong and pulling for the Jayhawks the entire game. Barrett. Yeah, um... I think this game is going to come down to Quinn Ewers. We've seen him have some really great games this season, and we've seen him have some really not great games this season. Um, Kansas's offense is going to move the ball. I, I'm, I'm picking Kansas here. I think Kansas pulls off the upset. I think Quinn Ewers has a bad game this game, and the Texas offense can't keep up with KU offense. Throwback. I'm also going to think with my head and not my heart, which is why I'm picking Kansas to not only win, but cover, cover (laughs) the opposite of whatever Texas, the the spread is right now. I think that the The Jayhawks are about to walk in there. Kansas plus 16 and a half. Yeah. Kansas, Kansas is 16 and a half. Yeah. KU's flipping that. They're taking that to the bank. And then the national media is going to have no idea what the heck to do whenever Kansas rolls into Austin and just decimates these guys. Shoot, I, I hope- have very little to offer that throwback didn't just say he nailed that. He's a hundred percent, right? I'm not convinced the state of Kansas is real, but I know that Jayhawks are. So Kansas is running away with this one. <laughs> Baylor at UCF. Jacob. I mean, you guys already know my stance about this game. I won't pick Baylor a single time all year. So, go Knights. Barrett. Yeah, uh, Gus Malzahn's going to have his team running right over this Baylor defense. UCF by 90. Throwback. UCF, but I do think that, uh, unfortunately, the Bears are going to somehow make this closer than it should be. And then all of us are going to be thinking about, oh, my God, is UCF not as good? But I think that's just because Baylor has a great way, like Iowa State, to just play really close games and then always fumble the bag. I have to say I have a very similar policy to Jacob's policy on this on this podcast. And I'm thrilled that it's looking more and more like Jacob and I will be right 10 or 11 times. <laughs> UCF running away with this one. Iowa State at Oklahoma. Jacob. OU, easily. They cover the yeah. spread of 21. Um, OU has not looked great the past couple of games. They've played like meaningful competition. Um, that being said, I picked Iowa State last week. They pulled it off for me. I I don't necessarily think I'm picking them here. I think I'm going to stick with OU on this one. I don't I don't think OU runs right over them though. Throwback. I think OU is stinky and overrated. Definitely going Cyclones on this one. All right. I was so stressed out when Barrett started to pick differently than I planned to and he started talking about Iowa State because I don't like picking against Barrett. Luckily, I don't have to on this one. I'm sticking with OU. Next, we've got, I've got five games for us around the country. We've got Utah at Oregon State. This is going to be a fantastic game. The spread is one and a half for Oregon State, and that's literally just because it's at Oregon State. Yeah, and I think Cam Rising is going to be back for Utah, although it hasn't really mattered that he's been out. They've still won every game. 
I'm going to go with Oregon State just because they're at home. DJ, however you say his last name, has experience playing in big games. I think that that works to Oregon State's benefit. Barrett? Yeah, this is a good Oregon State team and an equally good Utah team. Um, with Cameron Rising coming back, I, I think there's probably going to be a little bit of growing pains, him coming back in, into the offense. Um, that being said, I don't think DJ Ukulele is, is going to pull this one out. I think Utah goes into Oregon State and comes out with the dub. Wherever Oregon State is. <laughs> yeah, it's not Eugene. I know that one. Yeah, I think uh, Uyunglele... <laughs> I think that he's about to get wrecked by that Utah defense, which is so painful to say because their fans, some of them, but most of them, have been so insufferable online, especially with the move over to the Big 12. But I do think that the Big 12 rides hard and rides over the the Mountain West school of Oregon State. I think Oregon State is going to win. However, I have family at Utah. I love the old Mountain West. Uh, I am riding with my heart over my head on this one, and I am picking Utah. Florida at Kentucky. This is an interesting one. Florida's ranked and Kentucky's not, but Kentucky is barely not ranked, and Florida shouldn't be ranked. Kentucky is picked to win by Vegas. It's at Kentucky? Jacob, at Kentucky. I'll go with the Wildcats then. I have some friends who go there. I don't want to disappoint them. And I'm not high on Florida. I think they beat Tennessee because it was at Florida. Tennessee, I think, is also overrated. They just have a quarterback who can throw it a mile. So I'm going to go with Kentucky. Listen, y'all know my stance on Florida. (laughs) Um, I think Florida is a garbage program right now. They have a phenomenal defense. They are all Yep. Yep. Robo Connor back at it again. Um I I think that Florida I think Devin Leary has a good game in this game for, for Kentucky, and I think that the Wildcats pull this one off, especially playing at home. And Robin. Yeah, I don't need to overinflate the time on this thing. I think that Florida is definitely overrated. Tennessee's definitely, definitely overrated. And I think that Kentucky actually rolls in there and takes it. Actually, it's at home. They roll into their own place and take it. Florida sucks. Simple as Kentucky taking it. Next one is Georgia at Auburn. For as bad as Barrett thinks that Florida is, Auburn is even worse. Correct. And even if Georgia is overrated, as Connor says, there's no way they lose to Auburn. Yeah. I'm in Um, the room with the Georgia fan, and you just got me in trouble by saying that out loud, but it's going to make admitting my pick in a minute easier. A Georgia fan and a Mormon? A Georgia fan and a Mormon from Kansas. That person isn't real, right? Yeah, the feds are watching you. <laughs> yeah, watch out for the birds, Connor. They're they're keeping an eye on you. Um, yeah, Auburn is also a trash doo-doo program. So Georgia wins this one. Throwback. Georgia should win. But again, the rule of meme states that it would just be so funny if Auburn were to pull this out somehow. So what am I writing down? Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Y'all are all wrong. So are you. Everybody's wrong. Georgia is walking into Shug Jordan. They should win by 50, but Shug Jordan is where SEC monsters go to die. You just made that name up. Auburn is walking out with a win on this one. I'm surprised she hasn't started barking at you. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, she, she's very respectful and has been kind enough to know that we're on a podcast. But I got a dirty look as soon as you said Connor thinks Georgia's overrated. I'm getting a dirty look now. All right. LSU Ole Miss. 
Is it at Ole Miss? It is at Ole Miss. I'm going to ride with LSU because their quarterback has been on fire recently. Barrett. LSU played Arkansas last week. Um, Jaden Daniels had a great game statistically. If you watch the game, Malik Neighbors made him look really, really good. And I think that I think that holds true here. I think him throwing to five-star receivers. You guys know how I feel about Jaden Daniels. I think he's overrated. Um, but I think him throwing to five-star receivers, they they boat race almost and give them a second really bad loss in a row. Barrett making that pick sounded like me giving the Franken sensational award to Kendall Bryant. Throwback. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the Ole Miss is about to get dogged on. Hopefully, they'll be uh, not in the top 25 anymore, but with the SEC bias, they'll probably make a new 26 spot just to put them in. <laughs> this guy's speaking in binary. Yeah. LSU's going to win. Notre Dame at Duke. I think that this is a going to be a really good game. I'm not terribly high on Duke. I think Clemson isn't good. And I'm not terribly high on Notre Dame either. So I think these teams are actually pretty evenly matched. Uh, I will take Notre Dame, and that pains me because I hate Notre Dame, but Duke was my Baylor growing up. So no way I can pick Duke. Yeah. Um, I, I said it once before. I'll say it again. I'm picking against Notre Dame regardless of what state the Notre Dame school is from. So go Duke. Go Blue Devils. That's all I can say. Throwback. Yeah, I concur. I think uh, Duke's going away with this. I actually think that Duke is pretty decent. Uh, I don't think that Clemson's that good, but I do think that Duke is is decent and they have a, a shot to make a run for the the title, which is hilarious. And then uh, Notre Dame absolutely melted away in that game against Ohio State. Big-time stinky, big-time Catholic loss. So going with Duke on this one. All right. Notre Dame lost in the most Notre Dame fashion possible on Saturday. I, I think betting with, my, betting with my mind, I probably should pick Duke because Notre Dame's probably going to be winning this game and then throw it away all on their own again. However, my allegiance to Notre Dame of Ohio leads me to support the lesser Notre Dame in Indiana. I'm going with Notre Dame. Next, we have a bigger round. We've got the game of the weekend. VU of Lynchburg at Delaware State. Jacob. Uh, I'm going to go with Lynchburg. Is this Lynchburg, Virginia? So fan those flames. You and I have the same amount of information currently about VU of Lynchburg. <laughs> well, I, do, I can tell you that they're a perennial powerhouse. Cool. Perennial I, I think, powerhouse. Yeah, let's, let's go with Lynchburg on this one. And let's get Hugh Freeze to come over and coach a game for you of Lynchburg after coaching the Liberty Flames. Throwback. Yeah, I'm going to go with Delaware State. I think their defense has been really impressive recently, and that OC they brought in uh, for this season has just been, uh, you know, lights on. You know, it's it's been great to watch them. So definitely go on Delaware State. All right, well, I threw my pick on before the game, and I picked Lynchburg, and I'm standing by my pick of Lynchburg, although I'm a little hesitant. I don't want all three of us geniuses going up against throwback here, but I'm sticking with Lynchburg. East, East Stroudsburg, which I assume is East Stroudsburg, at Cutstown. At where? <laughs> I have no clue what he said. <laughs> Repeat it one more time. East Stroudsburg at Cutstown. Town, I think. <laughs> the second oh, yes, one. That's it. You got it. The second one. The second one. 
<laughs> um, you know, those uh, the directional schools, they always get you. So I have to go with East. <laughs> I, I don't remember what the second part of that team is, but I'm going with the Eastern one. Yeah. Um, Robo Connor strikes again, but that's definitely one we're keeping in here. <laughs> um, so he, he texted this to us. East Stroudsburg at Cutstown. <laughs> Both of those are incredible names. Um, I'm going to go with the directional school, just like Jacob, though. Those, man, directions are hard. <laughs> I'll go ahead and pass it to throwback. Dude, Cutsburg is running away with this one. <laughs> if your name is Cutsburg, you're you're definitely playing with knives in your socks, dude. You're you're going at it. <laughs> That's fair enough. If y'all can hear robot counter here, I'm going with Cutsdown. For that respect, and our next game is Frankenmarsh at Dickinson. <laughs> Um, oh, it's Frank and Marsh. I heard Frank and Marsh. Um, said Frank and Marsh, I like that You know, Frank and Marsh actually brought in a new quarterback this year who's completely reinvigorated their offense. So, because of that, I'm going to go with Frank and Marsh. Yeah, I mean, Frank and Marsh. The football version of Harold and Kumar, really. Um, they're they're like we've said it before. They're a perennial powerhouse. Uh, I think the Frankenstein's pull this one out. The law Throw firm back. of Frank and Throw Marsh back. is taking this one by by storm. Y'all better watch suits right, to get ready for this game. This, <laughs> we are running this unanimously. I also have Frank and Marsh, although I will say. Those of you who have read the book, it's actually Frankenmarsh's monster that will be taking the field this weekend. So I'll be taking them this weekend. Last but not least, most important game of the weekend, five points. That's right, five. As many as hookers as Craig James killed points in our mystery game. Who's taking this one? Number one or number two? Team one or number two? Jacob. Wait, before we pick, what was the mystery game last week and who won? <laughs> Oh, that's important information. Last week, it was Prairie View State versus Alcorn State. And I am the only one who picked Alcorn State, making our final standings neck and neck. Jacob at 70, me at 69, nice. And Barrett, who sucks at picking, at 66 in last place. Because you two went with team two and I caught back up. Week five, who are we going with? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stick with team two for this week. Um I'm gonna switch it up. Barry. I'm gonna go team I'm I'm going team one. We'll we'll switch it up this week. I'm feeling lucky. And I'm still riding off of Frank and Marsh, so I'll go with two. <laughs> <laughs> I will, as always, I know the game, so XL picked for me. I am also going with two, which puts Barrett in a very dangerous position to win five points over all of us this week. That all being said, I'm wrapping up my bets for the week that I've got here. I've got BYU minus three versus Cincy. I'm not just picking them because of the Mormon in the room. I think BYU's got this one. I've got Clemson minus 6.5. They're not good this year, but they're going to do better than that against Syracuse. Auburn, money line, plus 16, everything. Georgia ain't what it was last year. Oh, I just got kicked in the balls, guys. Just a little bit. It was mostly in the leg. I think I'll live. Okay, hold on. Kansas. <laughs> Kansas money line at Texas. Kansas is going to win by at least 16 and a half, taking the spread and as a hedge. 
but I don't need it because they're taking the money line. OU minus 19 at Iowa State. Now I'm going to go get some ice. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Three Wise Men with your three favorite geniuses and our one guest genius. Oh, you were walking, uh, just me.